Good morning, church. I'm reminded, uh, Brother Foster was asking, how are you? Are you ready to sing? And some of you are looking like you don't want to say anything. I remember back at a congregation I preached at, and they had multiple services, and the early service was known for a rough crowd. They didn't like to say amen. They sung, but... They didn't like to say, man, the preacher just couldn't hardly get anything out of the crowd. And as punishment for me, I was put on the 830 service. I said, punishment. But you know what? They came alive. They came alive. You just have to keep prodding and prodding. And you know what? I see some of you smiling now. I see some of you smiling and I see some of you... I really believe every last one of us are happy to be here this morning. And you know what? God is worthy of this praise. He's worthy of this praise because if you stop and just look back to yesterday. I'm not asking you to look back five or ten years. Look back to yesterday. Look what he brought you through. Look where he brought you from. Look at the protection he provided you last night from the dangers that you may not ever know existed in your lifetime. You don't know who may have been crawling and and hanging around your house. You don't know what was on some criminal's mind last night who contemplated about breaking into your house, coming in to even murder you or rob you. But God saw fit to protect his children. And here you are now, and that's why I'm so glad you're smiling. I'm so glad you get it. I'm so glad you're not going to allow the devil to cause you to steal from God this morning of the praises and the glory that he deserves. Is that all right? So look, anytime the opportunity presents itself to come into the house of God, man, you need to be thrilled about it. You need to be excited about it. I don't care what kind of day you may have had or what The devil may have tried to lay before you to keep you from coming. When you get up in here among God's people, we are the lively stones of the church. Not this physical building. We are the lively stones. And just stop and think about it, folks. When visitors come or other people come and they sense deadness, they don't blame the physical structure. They blame us. How can you sing songs about joy and happiness and and, and rejuvenation in a dead spirit? It don't go together, folks. We're blessed. We're blessed. And don't ever forget it. This is a blessing. This is a privilege to be able to come and assemble and worship God. There are some places, some countries where people, Christians, have to sneak. Have to sneak and get together and worship. We have protection by the Constitution of the United States. We have protection by the law that we can come together, sing as loud as we want to sing, and worship God. And you know what? And some of us just don't take it to heart. It shouldn't take something to happen or occur or have it taken away from us to say, oh, I miss the days when we used to do that. No, let's give God 
his glory. Let's give God his due. Because anything less, you're stealing from him. And you know what? Ain't no thief going to heaven. Amen. Amen. This morning, we want to talk about 10 plagues. I know you can't read this, but I can. This is really for me. And you can look at it later. But this is for me. I didn't have a chance uh, to transfer it over to PowerPoint. I'm going to keep working on that. And you'll probably see the lesson again because I believe it's a powerful lesson. And some things about the plagues that God sent on Egypt that we probably never thought about, never gave any thought about concerning the plagues. We know that God is all powerful. We know that there's no other God greater than the God that we serve. But, you know, in this story, Pharaoh had a problem understanding that. Pharaoh had this belief that I'm not going to humble myself to anyone. I am Pharaoh, the greatest, the most powerful. And he figured he could call on his magicians and do the same thing that God worked through Moses. But he came to find out something. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. And in Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 11, the Bible said, Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly I will be with thee and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. I am that I am. And he said, Thus shall thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover, unto Moses, Thus shall thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. This morning I want to talk about he still is. He still is. He told Moses, just tell him, I am that I am sent you. And I'm here to tell you today, he still is. He still is the great I am. He's still the most high. He's still the most reverend. He's still the most powerful. He still is everything and all and all. I don't care what we're faced with in our lives day to day as we go along. He still is. There's no one greater. There's nothing any powerful. God is still the greatest. Now, let's transfer this over to these plagues. In Israel, I mean in Egypt, Egypt was a nation that was given over to all types of idolatry. 
Man, they worship so many different gods, you just couldn't believe. They had a god for the, the, the harvest, a god for the sun, a god for the, uh, the sword, a god for, you just name it. There was a god for everything. And they paid homage to all of these different gods, and they gave these idol gods credit and glory. And they, they, they glorified these gods that when things went well and everything, these are the idols that they paid homage to and gave the credit to that these idol gods were blessing them. But listen to me. God and his infinite wisdom and great power, God set this thing up with these plagues in such a way to prove unto Pharaoh that I am bigger than any of the idol gods that you might have. The first plague you look at was the water to blood. Exodus 7, 14 through 25. The Egyptians were also able to turn water to blood, including the death of the fish. But God had a greater thing. They had the Nile was a source of Egypt's power. And God took the Nile and its gods. One god named Klum was the guardian of the river source. Hapai was the god of annual flooding of the Nile and the lord of the fish. Osiris had the Nile as his bloodstream. All of these are idol gods that the Egyptians worshipped and they, they held up in esteem. And God came in and said, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to turn the Nile into blood. And when Pharaoh saw this, he figured, oh, that's no problem. I could do that too and I'll change it back. But guess what? He couldn't. So God was trying to demonstrate unto Pharaoh, I'm bigger than you, man. I'm more powerful than you. And all of your idol gods added up together and all the others cannot overcome me. But Pharaoh's heart was hard. Plague number two, the frogs. The Egyptians had a god called Hek, H-E-Q-T. He was an Egyptian goddess with the head of a frog. An Egyptian goddess with the head of a frog. And just so happened, plague number two was what? The frogs. God sent frogs in everywhere. God sent frogs in everywhere. People would open up their, their oven and the house and there were frogs just everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. And guess what? Pharaoh's magicians and, and powerful men could not get rid of them. So God, once again, is trying to tell Pharaoh, man, I'm bigger than you. Humble yourself. Listen to me. But Pharaoh didn't want to hear it. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. How often have we talked to people and seen people when God has saved them out of situations and prevented things from occurring, maybe even healed them in sickness, and still they turn around and won't give God the glory. You would think after being in an auto wreck or a, a, a case of sickness or something and God blessed them back to good health, you would say, man, I know they're coming back to church now. I know they're going to straighten up and live right. And they go right back to the foolish living. 
See, that's a hard condition just like Pharaoh. God tried to show Pharaoh, I'm bigger than you. I will take the same frogs and show you I have more power and more might than you. So Pharaoh's heart was hardened. So we come to plague number three. Plague number three. Egypt had a god called Jet. He was a god over the dust of the earth. And God sent the plague of gnats and lice. Gnats and lice. And these gnats and these lice, they just covered the earth. They just warmed everywhere. This is found in Exodus 8, 16 through 19. They just warmed everywhere. And God proved unto Pharaoh once again, you can call on your idol God. You can pray to it and do whatever you want. But God didn't let up until he decided to let up. Pharaoh's magicians and the God, the idol God that they called on didn't answer. Didn't answer. And God is trying to tell Pharaoh, humble yourself, man. I got you. I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm more powerful than you. But no, the heart of Pharaoh was what? It was hard. It was hard. Yes, it was. Plague number four. Ah, ah, those old nasty, nasty, worrisome flies. Flies. Boy, don't get any nastier than flies. I, I don't need to go in depth about flies, do I? We know what flies love to hang out on and, 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 and camp out on, right? Nasty jumpers. But you know, Egypt, Egypt had a god, Kipri, who was an insect god, had the head of a beetle and was said to move the sun. Just think about it for a moment. These folks had an idol god for everything. They worshiped any and everything. They worshiped this god. They had another god, uh, you, you, you actually, U-A-T-C-H-I-T. Don't worry about writing it down. You get copies of this chart. Was the goddess of the marshes where many insects live. So here's this god, this idol god, or these idol gods of Pharaoh, of Egypt. And God sent the plague of the flies. So surely Pharaoh can call on his magicians or call onto his idol gods and say, stop this. But guess what? He couldn't. Why? Because God was bigger. God was more powerful. God tried to get Pharaoh to understand, I'm bigger than you, man. You need to humble yourself. This thing could come to a peaceful ending. This thing could come to such a good ending if you just humble yourself and let my people go. But Pharaoh's heart was what? His heart was hard. So God said, you know what? I have some more for you. I have some more for you. Plague number five, the sick cattle. 
God caused a sickness to come over all the cattle of Egypt. And Egypt had their God. Hathor was a fertility goddess who was often depicted as the head or horns of a bull or sometimes as a bull wearing a symbol, wearing the symbols of Hathor. Another animal, another idol, another god that the Egyptians bowed down and worshiped. An idol, folks. Here's an idol that Pharaoh figured he could call on to go up against the one true living God. And all of those cattle dropped dead. They died. Because Pharaoh's heart was hard. God tried to get Pharaoh to understand, man, I am bigger than you. Once again, I go back to the analogy about us. How many times has God delivered us? How many times have God provided when we couldn't even see a way of making it or paying a bill or doing something that caused stress and turmoil in our life? And God stepped in and took care of it. And surely, surely, people said, surely, that's going to cause them to serve God and act right. Surely that's going to cause them to stop and give God his glory. Because look at what God has done. But the sad thing is. So many people's hearts. Are hardened. And they refuse to give God. His glory. So we move on. God said I still got some more. Plague number six. The balls. The balls. Isis was the goddess of health for the Egyptians. So they figured they could call on their God. When God brought these balls and, and, and this pain, inflicted this pain upon the people and everything. You know what? Pharaoh summoned this idol God. But guess what? The pain didn't stop. Because God was bigger than that idol God. Amen. You all with me this morning? And you would think after going through the pain of the balls. I don't know if you've ever had a ball before. It ain't nothing to joke about. Amen. It ain't nothing funny about a ball. It's painful. It's very painful. I don't care where you get it at. It's painful. But just imagine. Think back to Job. The Bible said Job had balls from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. So even if Job wanted to stand on his head to try to find relief, he still was in pain. And God inflicted these balls upon them. And you know what? Pharaoh still didn't get it. Pharaoh still didn't get it. God made a distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians. The Egyptian priests were unable to appear before Pharaoh and to carry out their duties because of what God inflicted upon them. Well, why didn't they call on their idol gods to be healed? Because God was greater. And guess what? He still is. 
But it doesn't end there. Plague number seven. God brought about hell. He brought about hell. Nut, N-U-T, was the goddess of the sky. Her father shook. S-H-U. God of the wind and air was a calming God. So when God brought chaos, they were supposed to cry out and call on their gods to bring calmness, to bring peace. God brought the hell down, H-A-I-L. And the idol gods didn't answer. The idol gods didn't answer. Why not? Why not? Because our God is greater. Our God is greater. I don't care what they did. They could not overrule what God brought upon them. And you would think. Pharaoh would say, you know what? Okay, enough is enough. But was that enough? No. God had to bring the locusts. Plague number eight. God had to bring the locusts. But guess what? Egypt had gods. Nepar and Nepri were the god and the goddess of grain. Set was the god of disorder. And you know what? Pharaoh could call upon these gods. God brought in something that would destroy the grain, the harvest, in the fields. God brought in the locusts yeah. to prove that I'm bigger than you. I'm bigger than you. Call on your gods to stop me. I'm sure they cried out. I'm sure they called. But the locusts didn't hear them. The locusts heard God. And the locusts came and destroyed the harvest and the fields and everything. Why? Because God is all powerful. Amen. God is all powerful. Pharaoh. Surely Pharaoh said. Alright I'm done. Get these nasty. Pestilent locusts out here. No. No. God said I got one more. I still got one more. Plague nine. Darkness. It was so dark for three days. That the darkness could be felt. Now that's dark. That's dark. That's the Bible too. Exodus 10, 21 through 29. But Israel had a God. I mean, not Israel, Egypt, Egypt had a God. The Egyptians had a God. Ra. The God of the sun was the most worshipped and revered God in Egypt. So surely Pharaoh could call on Ra and remove this darkness. This was the most revered and, and highly regarded God of them all. But guess what? It was still dark. It was still dark. Why won't Pharaoh just say, man, send me some light. I give. But you know what we can learn from this, folks? Sin has a way of causing you to make some foolish decisions. Sin has a way of taking a grip on you that even when something don't make sense, you'll still do it anyway. That's why God commands us to repent of sin, to avoid sin. That's why sin, Jesus said the wages of sin is what? It's death. 
There's nothing good about sin. Because sin will blind you. Sin will cause you to lose your soul. So after this darkness for three days, what do you think? You think Pharaoh said, I'm done. No, he didn't. He didn't. But God said, I got one more. I got one more. And you know what? God brought about the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn, Exodus 12, 29 through 36. You know, it shouldn't take death to wake you up. But God had to use it. And let me tell you, it worked. It worked. But Pharaoh had a God to call on. Pharaoh had a God to call on. This plague was a judgment on all Egyptian gods, including Pharaoh himself. In Exodus 1, Pharaoh had ordered the killing of Israelites' babies, and now the firstborn of all Egypt were killed. God said, I'm going to pay you back, and I'm going to show you my power. You murder my people, I'm going to kill yours. Pharaoh didn't believe it. Because he had a God to call on. He had his magicians to refer to. So whoever home didn't have the blood of the animal sacrifice over the doorposts. When death came through that night, the firstborn of that house died. And there was a screaming and a crying out throughout the whole land of Egypt because people were dropping dead. And then it entered into the palace of Pharaoh. And guess what? His son died. Pharaoh, he cried unto his God. He summoned his magicians. He summoned everything that he could think of. He did everything except the right thing. Humble himself before God. Isn't that amazing? Sound like some folks today. They'll try any and everything and God is just sitting there waiting to say, I'm here. I'm here. But no, 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 no. I'm going to try the liquor. I'm going to try the drugs. I'm going to go out and have an affair. I'm going to just go do some stuff that don't make any sense. And when it's all said and done, when you're beaten down and you're caught, you humiliated and everything else, you know what? Then all of a sudden you say, oh, Lord, help me. So Pharaoh gave the command. He said, guess what? He told Moses, get these folks out of my country. Get them out. Gave order to get them out and take whatever it is they needed to take. He didn't care. The Israelites over all these hundreds of years were poor, run down, beaten down, downtrodden folks. But they walked out of Egypt rich. How did that happen? God. 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 See, that's why it just always pays to do the right thing. It always pays to obey and do things God's way. 
You don't know how God is going to work something out. And just because he don't reveal it under you and, and come and consult with you don't mean it's hard for it. We're supposed to live a life of faith, folks. What is faith? The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We live according to what the word of God says, right? Not by what we see. We live by according by the fact that Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So in other words, I don't have to sit and worry about, Lord, are you there? I don't have to ask that. I know he's there because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I don't have to sit around and worry about where my next meal is going to come from because I have a promise. Matthew 6, that he's going to provide me food. I don't have to worry about and, and, and burden myself down with the cares of what I'm going to wear and how good I look and all that. He said he's going to take care of me. He's God. Pharaoh lost his son, which didn't have to be. But because of his pride and because of his stubbornness, because of sin. And you would think that would be the end of the story, right? No, God didn't send any more plagues. God gave the ultimate sentence. As Israel departed, and they were crossing the Red Sea by dry land. Pharaoh's heart became hard. And he ordered his guards to mount up and let's go get them. And we're going to kill them. But little did he know, he only signed his own death warrant. As they pursued the Israelites, and they pursued them through the Red Sea. God allowed them to get out far enough. And God decided to close the waters. Quick burial. Someone once said, well, surely some of them could have swam. Let me tell you something. When God hand down a sentence... It's going to happen. And if it's God's sentence that all going to perish. All going to perish. They perish. We need to take heed to these plagues. Because sometime in life we allow things to substitute and become our God. Rather than Jehovah. Rather than the one true living God. We allow things to kind of slide in and, and take the place of God. And we put more faith and we put more trust into things than we do in God. We should never allow anything or anyone to ever replace God. In our lives. The greatest commandment given. Is to love the Lord thy God. With all. Thy heart. Mind. Soul. And strength. 
Why is that word all so critical? Because God don't want to share anything. God doesn't leave room for any other idol. God said, I am the object of your worship. I am the center of your attention. I am the one you need to call on in time of need, in time of trouble, in time of sadness. Even when you're happy, you still need to call on me and thank me. Love the Lord thy God with all, all, all. That leaves no room to love your car, to love your job, to love any other idol that can distract you from giving God the fullness of your devotion. Folks, these plagues had a purpose. But the sad thing is, Pharaoh just didn't get it. But my question to you is, we know Pharaoh didn't get it, but my question to you is, do you get it? Does God need to send some frogs your way? Lies? Does God need to repeat any, any of this to get your attention? He shouldn't have to. God's will is that every man be saved. God loves all of us. And he proved his love by who he sacrificed. He gave of his only begotten son. Folks, if you can't appreciate the greatest gift that was ever given, that is ever known of man, that's the giving of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten son. If you don't have an appreciation for that, you just as well prepare to die like Pharaoh. There will never be another gift to match. And we should be so ever grateful. That's why I said earlier, we should be thrilled. We should be ecstatic about coming to worship God. When you stop and consider what he has given. If he only just blessed us with the giving of Jesus. Look how many blessings come out of that. Not to mention all of the other things that he blessed us with. He blessed us with good jobs, families, children, homes, and all this stuff. Man, this ain't nothing of no great thing you've done. This is God. If you don't believe me, turn your back on me. Turn your back on me. And you will find out. This world don't love you. You'll find out you're going to need him far sooner than what you think. Jesus said, for without me, you could do nothing. Or you might have a little money saved up and you can continue on a little while and make it seem like you're still doing all right. But what you fail to understand God's time is always perfect. 
You, may, you could give an appearance that is okay. But God has a time set. Jesus can't lie. And when Jesus said, for without me, you could do nothing. He means it. I hope and pray, folks, that you will take heed that the God that we serve is greater and all-powerful. And regardless of what situation we may be confronted with in this life, we need to listen to God. Don't let hatred enter into your heart. Don't let prejudice enter into your heart. Don't allow uh, the, the, the unstable environment that our country is going through now to turn and cause you to think evil and to challenge your spirit to want to respond the wrong way. God's people are called and charged to be different. And we got to trust God. We got to believe in God. We got to trust him that his way is the right way. I can't walk around with hatred in my heart and be holy. When the Bible said be holy for I am holy. I can't walk around with ill feelings or wanting to destroy and hurt somebody. And please God. Because the God that we serve, he commands that we love. Because the Bible said God is love. He commands that we forgive. Why? Because we were first forgiven. You can't hold something against somebody that you are asking God to give to you. Lord, forgive me. Help me, but then you turn around and don't want to forgive somebody. No, folks, it don't work that way. You forgive. Then you can go to God and ask for forgiveness. We're called out. We're different. I'm going to say that again. We're called out. We're different. We are called out. And we're different. And we need to hold up the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ. And let people know. We serve an almighty God. Who's bigger than any protest. Who's bigger than any injustice. Who's bigger than any racism. Who's bigger than any evil that's in our society. Our God is Greater. And if we're going to please him and if we expect to go to heaven, we got to obey him. We sit and try to figure out everything. Everything ain't for you to figure out. We serve God and allow him to figure things out. And believe it or not, folks, he has already figured it out. We just need to be faithful. If he could bring down Pharaoh, who is it he can't bring down? And Pharaoh is just one of many, many kings and people in a high authority that God had to humble. You think God can't humble somebody today? Sure he can. But you know what? He just need us to trust him. He don't need us to go out and do something stupid.
He don't need us to go out and hate. He don't need us to go out and destroy. He don't need us to go outside of his will. <coughs> you want to glorify God as a Christian? Be ye faithful until death. That's how you glorify God. And in the end, you can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or if you decide to go outside, you're going to hear, depart from me. I never knew you. You workers of iniquity. You can go out there and holler about you did it in Jesus' name all you want to. But Jesus ain't commanded you to hate anybody, to kill anybody, to destroy anything. That ain't the way of Jesus. And guess what, folks? You've got to love. You've got to love. And every Christian needs to understand. To love is not a weakness. To love is the greatest strength that a person could ever possess. It was love. It was love. That kept Jesus up on the cross. It was love. Because he loved his father so much. And wanted to please him. He stayed up there. Even while men shook their fists. And challenged him. And said you saved others. Why don't you come down off that cross. Save yourself. Then I'll believe you. It was love folks. It was love. That Jesus wasn't weak. If there was ever a sign of strength, man, that was strength. Knowing what he had at his disposal, that he could have had every single person there present killed. Man. That took strength. That took a great love. That even as he breathed his last breath, he said, Father. What did he say? Forgive them. Forgive them. Why? They know not what they do. They know not what they do. In other words, Father, look, 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 just, just look over. I know I'm your son. I know I left heaven. I know you and I are one. I know what I'm feeling. You feel it too. Father, Father, look, look. Hold off. Hold off. Forgive them. Just count it toward their ignorance. Forgive them. For they know not what they do. He begged and pled to give them another chance. That's love, folks. That's love. And you know what? We are God's people. And that's the love. Got your hand to go to heaven. Blessed are the peacemakers. For we are the ones that God looked to to promote unity, harmony, peace, and love. Even in a society full of chaos, racism, Hatred is no excuse for us to change. 
because we are different. Amen? Amen. If you're here today and you haven't given your life, you haven't surrendered your will to God, to become a child of God, to become a Christian, as the scripture teaches us, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible teaches us that one must hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized for the remission of the sin. And then after coming out of the water and grave of baptism, one must live faithful unto death. That's how you become a Christian. That's how you please God. Galatians 3, 27, for many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You can't separate the church from Christ. You can't separate Christ from his church. That's why you need to be a member of this one body. For us who are members of the body, maybe you've allowed some of the some of the things that have been going on to cause you to think in ways that a Christian should think. Maybe the, the climate of what's going on in our society has worked a way to plant some seeds of discord in your heart. Maybe, maybe you've just been feeling some ill feelings. You need prayer. And it wouldn't hurt for us to pray with you and for you. Because the devil is going to do his work. And you know what? People are going to keep hating. People are going to continue to be racist. People are going to continue to be evil until Jesus comes back. But that doesn't mean we have to sin. Get yourself right today. Get yourself right today. Because the way you close your eyes in death, that's the way you're going to be resurrected. And Jesus said, you're dying your sins where I am. You can't come. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Brother May, it's hard. It was hard for Jesus. But he withstood what he had to do. Brother May, I, I just, look, ain't nothing you could bring up and try to justify keeping hatred in your heart. Nothing you could bring up that's going to change the fact we are commanded to love. You want to see God in peace? Purify your heart today. Purify your heart today. If nothing else, you know what? You can repent and you can say, Lord, help me. Give me a clean heart. And you can leave out of here today at least better than you were when you arrived. But don't walk out of here knowing you're still in your sin. Because the longer you sit in it, the harder it's going to be to repent of. Get yourself right today. And make a difference. Make a difference. Against love, there is no law. Love conquers all things. Amen? Amen. What's our song, folks? 598. 598 is our invitation song. (coughs)